What a great video, eh? <clears throat> Looking from to, out to the far reaches of space and beyond what we can see or imagine, down to the very finite inside of us. Incredible. Well, from the telescopic to the microscopic, the reason we showed you that this morning is to remind each of us that God created the whole thing. And He is in charge of absolutely all of it. He reigns over everything. This winter, we've been walking through the book of Revelation together. <clears throat> and as we have, we've been focusing on the big picture and the long term, as well as its implications for today and how we should live in response to it today. But we've been looking long term, haven't we, in big picture in God's plans. But God also rules over the smallest detail right here, right now. It's incredible how something as small as a, a virus, something you and I can't see through a micro, unless we have a microscope, can have such a huge impact in such a short period of time, eh? Isn't that incredible? It impacts health and travel and economies and governments and shopping and all kinds of things. I want to remind each of us this morning that the God who spoke this universe into existence also created, knows, sees, and controls the smallest cell in your body. He has this well in hand. I'll say that again. God has things well in hand. I said to someone this week, not making light of this situation with the virus at all, and I'm not. But I said, man, like have we missed something in our study of Revelation? I mean, just, just think, if you think this is bad, buckle up. This is nothing compared to what will come. But you can see the chaos and the response that, that begins with something like this. Can you imagine where that will go one day? Incredible, isn't it? Listen, friends. God has things well in hand. And He is in control and He's not surprised by any of this. And so the question is this morning, how do we as followers of Christ respond and live in, in today, today's realities and situations? And so we're going to take a break from our study in the book of Revelation this morning. We simply want to answer that question. How do we as followers of Christ live and respond to everything going on around us in our world today? So turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 12, the passage that Pastor Marty read for us earlier. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12 comes right after Romans 9, 10, and 11. Funny how that works, eh? Leading up to that, even in Romans 8, we're told how to live with confidence even when we don't know what to pray. How to live with confidence no matter what's coming at us. How to trust the Lord and, and, and see him, His hand at work in this. Then, Romans 9-11 to talks about God's great work across the centuries 
in his work through, through each of us and in each of us, in his work in the nations, in Israel, and the nations of the world, what he has been doing, what he's doing now, and what he will one day do as he brings all of this to completion. And that's a, a, a mind-boggling section there, 9 to 11, as we're just trying to, to soak up the reality of God's control over all things and His plan at work. Chapter 11 of Romans ends this way, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. And then the thought just continues, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, the mercies of this God who spoke this place into existence and has everything mapped out and lined out and it's all coming together according to his plan. It's all well in hand and he has a track that this is on. In light of all of this and the fact that he would show mercy to us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a constant and consistent act of worship all day, every day. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul then goes on to tell the followers of Jesus in first century Rome what that looks like as our minds are renewed through the word of God, and therefore our lives changed and transformed. What it means to live every day as a constant, continual act of worship to God. And as he walks through this, that the passages that will come now flowing out of after chapters, at chapter 12, 1 and 2, into the rest of the book of Romans now, will be what does this look like? How does this show up day to day? And so he'll talk about our need for humility, a proper view of ourselves that we need God's mercy. And nobody on the planet, living now, living to the, in the future, or living past, no one has ever needed God's mercy more than you or more than me. We all are in need of God's mercy. And so we're to walk in humility. And then he talks about how we're to serve each other and serve with each other. What does this look like? How we love each other and interact with one another as followers of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. He talks to us about how we relate to a hostile world as God's called out people. He tells us how we listen and respond to the, the authorities, the governments that he has put in place. And as this passage progresses, there's, there's one simple verse, three phrases long, tucked in here, that I, I would like us to focus our attention on this morning. And it's Roman chapters, Romans chapter 12, verse 12. And the verse says this, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, Paul says. He's talking to followers of Jesus in a very difficult, tough place to follow Jesus. That's in Rome in the first century. Where they worshipped many false gods and they worshipped their emperor, but Jesus wasn't on the list. And to stand out as his had a price tag. And, and he says, just rejoice in hope. That's a good word for us today, isn't it? As God's people today, with all that's going on around our world and the 24-7 news coming in and everything else, <sighs> rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Don't panic. Everything that's happening in our world right now is temporary 
in fact, this world itself is temporary. Don't panic. Be joyful in hope. Rejoice in hope. One of the things that I think we need to remember during these days of, uh, boy, we've got some new words now, don't we? (laughs) Self-isolation. You know, that's a new term, isn't it? But suddenly everybody's talking, using it like like it's been something we've used forever. Well, it's just self-isolation, right? And people are talking about this. One of the things that I want to encourage you to do today is this. Don't over-isolate. Don't over-isolate. Stay in touch with each other. Call each other. There's lots of ways we can communicate with each other. But don't just type. Pick up a phone and actually talk to someone. Communicate with each other. Don't over-isolate. Because there are people in our culture, in our society, right even today, that are tempted to crawl into a cave and shut off all interaction with anybody else. And the only thing that they're going to interact with is CNN. And and, and they're going to just bring this darkness in and this heaviness in. And it's going to weigh down on their hearts and their minds and their outlook and it's going to take them to new lows and new depths of darkness that they don't, don't need to embrace. I would encourage you, don't over-isolate. Stay in touch with each other and encourage each other. Listen to good Christian music. Play, play good Christian music that's just going to lift your heart and your spirit to the Lord. And encourage you to remember to rejoice in hope. Remember who's in control. Fill your hearts and your minds with things that are going to encourage you with those truths, those realities. As followers of Jesus, we need, we need to be people who rejoice in hope. One of the articles that I, I just read this week, written by a psychologist, who, and there's been many done, uh, is trying to describe what's going on with people out there. Have you been puzzled? a little bit as you've watched the news with some of what's gone on. They're saying, why are people doing certain things? Why are people hoarding certain things like toilet paper and that kind of thing? And the reality is this, that, that on a, in a very real sense, people are now experiencing a loss of control. My government doesn't know how to control this. My doctor doesn't know how to control this. Nobody seems to know how to control this. I have a total loss of control. I have to do something. I have to exercise control over something. So one of the things I can do is I can provide for my family and I'm going to do it. And they're doing it without even thinking that through That's what's really going on in their minds, is they're saying, I have no control, I need control over something, and so this is one of the ways I will exercise that. And so that's part of what's going on in our mindset as a a culture and around the globe today. But the reality is that we have only been living with the illusion of control. None of us is in control. None of us is in control. Well, I don't like the government telling me to do all these extra things. Well, 
you got to get over yourself because it's bigger than you. And we're told, we're told to follow our leaders. And if you don't think the government's been telling you what to do for a long time, then you got a lot of tax returns to figure out in the next month. <laughs> I mean, we, right? They've been giving us instructions for a long time. And, and in the big picture, you and I do not control our next breath. God is in control, not us. A friend sent me an email this week with this verse tag on the bottom. Uh, this is just great. I want to just remind you of this verse this morning. Proverbs 31, verse 21, sorry, 21, verse 31 says this. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Now, however you want to take that proverb from whichever direction, it's just, it's true. So whether it's us getting our horses ready for battle and getting our ducks in a row or however else you want to phrase that, preparing and doing everything that we can, whatever we can do to get ready for whatever's coming, the end result is still in God's hands. It's not in ours. It's in His. Or whether you're looking at it from the other side and you're saying, yes, but, but this is happening or these people are doing this or whatever's going on and they're getting their horses ready for battle and there's this threat out there and, and there's things coming. The end result is still in whose hand? God's. God's. So the instruction to us is simply do what you can. Sure, act in wisdom, live wisely, but trust Him. Trust Him. He is in control of all things, including where this goes and, and what happens to me. God is in control. Rejoice in hope because God is in control. It's not a sad thing. It is not a sad thing to realize that you're not in control. It is a good thing to realize that God is in control. <sighs> because frankly, if you were in control, I'd be pretty nervous. <laughs> if I were in control, you'd be nervous. God is in control, amen? Isn't it amazing how suddenly certain things don't matter and people have focused? How suddenly sports just don't matter because there's bigger, there's bigger issues at hand, bigger things to deal with? Our culture... Our culture is going to survive without sports? And yet, that's, that's the, that was the first time some people woke up and said, there's something going on. That was the first time people were upset. Well, why can't they play without fans? I mean, I've got to be able to sit and watch a game. It's just this mindset that we've had in our culture. But now suddenly sports don't matter and people are focused on other things. We're not even hearing so much about the election in the States right now. <laughs> I, I, everything falls to the side and people are focused. Well, listen, as followers of Jesus, you and I are and must be the people of hope in our community. We must be the people of hope in our community. So share the hope of the gospel that this current situation isn't even as bad as it is. It gets worse. Do you know what's even worse? Is that we are all carrying sin in our hearts we all have this, this fatal disease leading us to condemnation. We have been condemned. We, we're all, that's our, that's our situation. 
It's far worse than you think. And a mask and some gloves aren't going to fix that. But there is help and there is hope because God has reached out in mercy. And because of His great mercy, we can rejoice in hope today. Amen? Amen. Well, Paul told the people in Rome, following Jesus there at a difficult time, rejoice in hope. God is in control. God is in control, and we know where this is going. Rejoice in hope. He then continued and said, be patient in tribulation. Be patient in tribulation. This this stressful time, this is temporary. It's a good reminder that we are fragile. And it's been, as a number of people have written this past week, it's been a great equalizer, hasn't it? Because it doesn't matter if you're in a first world country or third world country, if you're at the top of government or you're a professional athlete or a famous movie star, this, this can reach to everybody. We're all in this. We're all in this. But be patient in tribulation. Whatever form it takes, however severe it comes, whatever the source of it is, we're to be patient in trials. James chapter 1 tells us this in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We are to be patient and steadfast in trials. We are to look to God for wisdom when we need it. Do we need wisdom today? Of course we do. And who do we go to? We go and we call out to Him. But look at that phrase, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. One of my prayers in this situation is this. Lord, you might not be testing my, my preparedness for certain things. You might not be testing you know, you know, certain things in my life, but you might be testing my faith. You might be testing our faith in this. You might be saying, who is going to stand out as people of faith across our globe today? Would you make me, would you make us a person, a people of steadfastness, of faith in you, and who simply look to you for the wisdom that we need? If you have extra time at home with your family over these next weeks, hey, you've got extra time at home with your family over these next weeks. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't spend all those times hiding in separate rooms on different gadgets. Spend some time together. Spend some time together. It's amazing how we can do that. We can all be in the same house, and instead of connecting with the people we're, con- we're, we're, we're there to connect with, we connect with everybody that's out there somewhere. Connect with the people you've got right there. Spend time in the Word. Continue to read your Bible. Continue to pray. And remember, as we're patient in tribulation, patient in trials, 
there is more than just one issue going on in our world today. There's more than one issue going on in our country today. Remember last week in our Revelation series, we looked at this, the, the letter to the church in Pergamum, and we started with the question, how do you see or what do you see in your city? How would you describe the place where you live? And how a lot of people describe certain things on the surface and miss what's really going on underneath. Yes, these things are happening, but look over here. We were reminded, don't be distracted by the surface, but look at the heart of what's going on. Because it's been during this chaos of what's been going on and this focus that's been going on on this virus, it's during this stretch that our government has introduced the anti-conversion therapy law. Now, yes, there were some things that were going on that were wrong, flat out wrong and should not have been done. But this bill is a sweeping bill that looks to limit the counsel, the help, and the support that churches can give to adults who say, I want to repent of sin, I want to turn my back on the way I was going, and I want to follow the Lord, and I need somebody to help me line my life up with what God says in His Word. And our government is trying to limit the help, support, uh, and, and counsel that churches can give to an adult making that decision. Well, I'm sorry, that's what we're here to do, so that's what we're going to keep doing. But I mean, there's other things going on in our world at the same time. It's interesting that there's no anti-conversion law about the aggressive agenda coming at us from our government's direction and the way they educate our children and try to influence children into choices and decisions. There's no way they're emotionally or mentally or intellectually prepared to even understand the issue, let alone make a choice. But the, so there's a lot of things going on, and we are called to be patient in tribulation. We're reminded every day we're not home yet. We don't belong here, we just reside here, remember? Keep that in mind. Let's keep walking forward, following the Lord together. We are called to rejoice in hope because of who's control, who's in control, and whose plan is in place. We're called to be patient in tribulation and just to carry on walking with Him together. And those are both attitudes and actions, aren't they? And so is this third phrase. Paul tells the church in Rome, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. September 11th, 2001. Remember that day? I remember, I remember sitting in my office. I'd, I'd been out visiting in a hospital, actually, with somebody who was having, about to have some, some major uh, brain surgery, and I was with their family. We were in a waiting room that morning when a nurse came in and said, turn on the TV. Something's going on in our world. And after I was done with that family, I went home for a while and we had the news on and that kind of thing. And I remember being in my office later that afternoon at the church. And somebody walked in and said, why is it? One of our people came in and said, why is it all the Christians are hiding in their basements watching CNN like the rest of the world? And nobody else came here to pray. Like, where is everybody? Why aren't we here to pray together? I said, well, I've been asking myself the same thing, but we're here. Let's pray. 
It's amazing, our response. We, we are to be constant in prayer. And here's what prayer does. As we are praying prayers of praise to God, do you know what that does to our hearts? It brings a greater focus. It lifts our eyes and our hearts to Him. And it reminds us of, of who He is, what He's done, and all that He is doing, and all that He will do. And it just changes things as it lifts our hearts to Him. As we pray, praise, pray prayers of praise to God. As we pray for peace of heart, He gives it. As we pray for the safety of others, as we pray for those that have been affected, as we pray for the doctors and nurses looking to help others, as we pray for leaders trying to make sweeping decisions that impact a lot of people in an incredibly interrelated, complex world on every level, praying for them and being constant in prayer for the fruit and the results of the gospel. Even in this, God, would you lift people's eyes to you and see that if we finally admit we got nothing and we turn our backs on doing things our own way and we surrender to you through your son Jesus, we can know forgiveness in life. Praying for the fruit of the gospel and opportunities for the gospel. He says we're to be constant in prayer. He said something similar to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, so do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we can put our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in God His Father, for the forgiveness of our sin and rebellion against Him and for our eternal life, why in the world can we not put our faith and trust in Him to get us through a situation like this? It makes no sense. Lord, we trust You with eternity, just not for today. Really? And Paul says, no, 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 set your heart on the Lord, call out to Him in prayer with full confidence in Him, and He will give you His peace. <sighs> now, that's an action, isn't it? It's an attitude and an action. Be constant in prayer. Lord, you've got this. Lord, you've got us. Lord, help me to share the gospel. Help me to be a person of hope and peace and help me to point others to you that there is help and hope for us. But even as we trust the Lord and call out in prayer, Paul continues then to, to lay out some, some other actions. Let me point out two. One of them is in verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. He says, even as we, as, even as we are people who rejoice in hope, we're patient in tribulation and constant in prayer, we need to be active in, in caring for each other. And so whether we're allowed to be out and around or whether we're not, we need to care for each other. Call each other. Just to check in, I'm praying for you today. How are you doing? I'm just checking up. Are you okay? Do you have everything you need? Is there anything I can get for you or do for you? Can I pray with you on the phone? Let's pray together on the phone. Or you know, maybe they don't want huge gatherings, but you know, why don't, why don't you come over to our place tonight and we'll have a cup of coffee and we'll pray together and just encourage each other. 
calling for each other, helping each other. Yes, don't, don't visit the nursing homes. We get that. And as I saw a guy on TV yesterday say, well, I'm young, I'm healthy, and I'm strong. I'm not worried. And I looked at him and I went, man, you're arrogant. You're not worried about you. How egotistical is that? How about the people that because you're healthy, you might just pass it on to who aren't so healthy? This is a bigger picture, dude. You can't just pass it on. So we need to call each other and help each other. And we need to be wise. If you're sick, stay home. Just stay home. And if you've traveled somewhere else, another country, just stay home. If you need help, call on your church family. Don't be shy. That's what we're here for, to walk together. Amen? If someone from your church family calls and says, I need some help, give it. But call, out to, call us here at the church office or call each other. Call and ask for help. The reality is the church is still going to need offerings because just like your house, our bills don't die here. Eh? Our, our bills don't stunk, start coming in. And we've got missionary families around the world that are counting on us so that they can feed their families and meet their needs in a really weird changing situation too. So we need to continue to take those actions to care for, to care for each other. Here's... Here's another thing. I'm just going to give you a couple other things here. Another thing that we can do to express care for each other is don't mock each other's decisions. Don't mock each other's decisions. Just encourage each other's hearts. See, there's, there's two extremes, and we tend to be people of extremes, right? You know, you hear that politically all the time. Oh, well, we're in the center. Well, no, not really. <laughs> Have you ever met people that are really in the center? You know, we tend to be people of extremes, and so there's the extreme on the one hand that say, oh, this is just some government conspiracy or something. This is a big joke. Just relax. And you have people on the other side saying we should all be in bunkers by now. Right? And, and you've got those two extremes. And as people are somewhere on that continuum. And the reality is the truth is probably in the middle. And so don't mock each other. And oh, please, don't, don't be the people in our community that joke about this. Because whatever you may think of it, the reality is 6,000 families around the world are planning funerals and grieving. And you don't want to compound their grief and add another layer to their experience because of our insensitivity. Right? So we need to not mock each other's decisions. We need to encourage each other's heart. Because the reality is we haven't seen something like this. We haven't been through this before. Our governments haven't seen something like this and been through this before. In the past, yes, in the past there have been health concerns like this, 1919, <laughs> and you keep going back, and you can see that th these things have happened, but we live in an interesting world today. We travel like no other generation has traveled. We share inf information instantly around the globe like, like no other generation ever has, and so today people, germs, and information spread quickly, don't they? <laughs> absolutely and so we need to keep all of that in mind so don't mock each other just encourage each other and when it comes to this meeting contribute to the needs of the saints i would say contribute to the needs of others uh, i watched yesterday afternoon for a few moments a, a report that was showing grocery stores with the lineups and the people all heaped up and stuff and here's one thing that i thought came to my mind actually it's like the lord was saying who can't stock up 
Who can't? Who's just physically not able to provide and stock up that way? You know, I'm thinking we have literally dozens of families in our town. Dozens of families in our town who depend on our local food bank so they can feed their families this week. They're not stocking up. They're getting by today. So how do we, how do we help them? How do we help them? I want to thank you for your donations you've been bringing in as we've been collecting this month for the food bank. We've got a good supply up there that we're going to deliver tomorrow to the food bank. This week we'll get it to them. But keep, as you're coming by, maybe you're coming by during the week or you're, you're out and around or you, you're coming next Sunday, just drop off some canned goods, whatever you've got. We will make sure it gets there for you. We'll help with that. But we've got people around us in need. And again, as people who are rejoicing in hope, we need to be people of help and hope. Amen? So let's be, let's be that in our community. Chapter 13 of Revelation, or of Romans rather, continues on and says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So we need to listen to our leaders. It doesn't say anything in that verse about agreeing with them. You know, I looked, I looked, I looked in the original language, I looked in different translations, you know, I've looked and looked and looked. It doesn't say anything about agreeing with them. It just says listen to them and, and follow their leading. Pray for our leaders. If you think you need wisdom, and you do, if you think we need wisdom as a church, and we do, wow, do they need wisdom? How'd you like to be in those chairs right now? This is a complex situation in a strange world where everything is interconnected, including health and economics and everything else. Let's pray for wisdom. And I think if we do these things, brothers and sisters, we will be people who act wisely, who live compassionately, and who continue to show and express a life of faith. We'll stand out as a people of faith. So far, we're allowed to keep meeting. There are no confirmed cases in Essex County yet. So far, our, our local health unit is saying a meeting of this size is still fine, and so we're listening to that. But we're not to be people who panic. We're to be people who point people to the Lord. So as we care for your family, as we care for each other, let's lead others to hope in God and place their faith in Jesus. Place your hope in God, place your faith in Jesus instead of letting other people lead us into fear. If we can do this, if we can do this, we'll be obeying Scripture, we'll be honoring the Lord, we'll encourage each other, and we'll be standing out, standing out for His glory and His purposes. We're called to rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. So let's do it. Let's do it. Amen? Let's stand together as we sing together this morning.